the blood of Jesus. Blood is a it's just a powerful word, right? Even just saying that. I remember years ago I had wiped out on my bike and I had stitches and I was telling my buddy, I was like, yeah, I got like five stitches here and six stitches and then all of a sudden he's just like, <laughs> I was like, why are you on the ground? <laughs> like, he just like passed out like in front of me. But it's true that the blood is, is, there's something powerful about it because even like psychologically, like we know that this is life. And if blood is being poured out, it, it, could mean, it could mean death. And so it actually strikes, I think, as somewhere very deep. It's how we're, it's like written into us. We believe as Catholics that it, at every Mass, the bread and wine that are offered forth from the community become, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. That, to a lot of people, and even to us if we're honest, can, sounds crazy. Because it sure looks like bread and wine. But you're telling me it's the body and blood of Christ? It's blood? Ooh, that, that's like gross. It makes me not want to receive it, you know? Um, may, maybe that's why God has it under the appearance of bread and wine, you know? So we can stomach it. But why do we believe that? Because Jesus said so. And we believe Jesus is God. One way I explain this to students often, it makes, it makes sense to me, is when I was watching uh, the movie Bruce Almighty, and uh, when he's in, the cafe, he's in the cafe with soup, and he asks the waitress for a spoon. He says, excuse me, may I have a spoon? And when he says the word spoon, a spoon comes out of his mouth. That... That for God, God speaks the word and things come into being. Realities change. Like, like God could never say, Jesus could never say two plus two equals five. He, he couldn't say it because it, it's a logical contradiction. It's a contradiction in truth. That It's not that God can't say that. It's like he can't. He won't because God, can, God who is true cannot do or say something that's untrue. Does that make sense? So, yeah. So Jesus says in our gospel, you know, this is my body. This is my blood. That, that reality changes. We have a, a term we put on this called transubstantiation. That the appearance or accidents, if you will, remains what looks like bread and wine. But the substance of what it actually is, the reality, changes and becomes the body and blood of Christ. And so you can kind of, this is, this is your little uh, litmus test to tell if somebody, sometimes we're not always careful with our words, but you can kind of, some people say like, yeah, I want to receive, I want to receive uh, the wine. And it's like, we don't drink wine at Mass. I want to come forward and have the bread. When, like someone come up to me and says, why, why can't I receive the bread? I was like, because you think it's bread. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying, like, we believe it's the body and blood of Christ. And so what does that, what does that mean for us? I want to kind of walk through our readings a little bit that, that it, it makes sense for what God has done throughout history. So in our first reading in Exodus, that Moses 
recounts how God forms this covenant, that it's, it's, the story's happening after the Ten Commandments. And so God promises his people, I will be with you. You will be my people. I will take care of you. That, that all these other peoples that will come up against you, you, you can almost look at, look at the Jewish people today. For all the times that people have tried to get rid of them, they're still here. Like God's like, I will, I will be your God. I will watch over you. And I want you to be my people, so follow my commandments that I've given you. And so this covenant is formed between God and his people. A covenant is an exchange of persons. You think about like in marriage. The marriage covenant is I give myself to you completely and you give yourself to me completely. It's a covenant. So in this covenant with God, God's giving himself to us and we are offering ourselves back to him. And then he has Moses take this, the blood of this animal and pours the blood, half of it on the altar, and the other half over the people, like sprinkles it on them. And the idea is that, that God, who is the source of life, is promising his people life. He's, he's, he's promising it, and God cannot be unfaithful. That's contradictory, like we talked about before. God is always faithful. However, if the people of God violate the covenant, when someone violates the covenant, then let what happened to this animal happen to me. That if I violate the covenant, then I will die like this animal has died. And so it's almost like, like you know, when kids do... Thankfully, I don't think people do this anymore. Like blood brothers, you know, like you share, but like there's this like blood relationship that what God is doing is like there is this blood relationship now between God and us. And so what what happens, though, over time is that God's perfect, so he's not going to break it. But I'm not. So you and I, we mess up. What do we do then? Like I broke. I'm weak. I'm falling. And God knows that. So what God does is he gives the people a means to renew the covenant. That's, that's where they have this, the practice in the Old Testament that we think is probably crazy of animal sacrifice. What animal sacrifice is, is it's a merciful thing given by God to us in the Old Testament to renew the covenant again. Because I messed up. So my blood should be shed, but instead, God mercifully says, okay, instead, take this bull, take this goat, take this lamb, and sacrifice its blood. Pour out its blood, and then once again, the, the high priest would, 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 would come out from the holy of holies and sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the people, renewing the covenant between God and his people. And, and in that process, they would also take some of the blood and they would lay hands on an animal and like send it off to the desert. And the idea is that through this action, through this sacrifice, that sins are forgiven and the covenant is renewed. Does that make sense? So you're like, that's weird. Why would they sacrifice animals? It's because God was offering the animal instead of us in order to renew that life covenant that he wants with us. That he promises us life and protection. He forgives our sins. And he's going to be our God. He's going to take care of us. So now we, we kind of fast forward to our, our second reading from Hebrews. 
that Jesus comes forward as the great high priest. That Jesus enters the holy of holies, the heavenly sanctuary. And he offers not the blood of goats and calves, but he offers his own blood as the Lamb of God to do what the other sacrifices would have to keep doing. But the other sacrifices had to keep happening because they weren't, like, big enough. But Jesus, because he is divine and eternal, that his blood is poured out on the altar of the cross. His blood is poured out in the chalice given to the disciples at the Last Supper, of which they then pour it over themselves, they drink it, and they receive his blood, which creates a new covenant, that in the old covenant they had to keep sacrificing. But Jesus comes, pours out his blood, gives his blood on the altar in a new way that's definitive once for all. And so in a sense, the, the blood is poured out, but whether we allow that blood to pour over us to forgive our sins, that's, that's our response. That's our freedom to come and say, Lord, pour your blood over us, forgive over me, forgive my sins. But that's exactly what we're doing every time we come to Mass. We're renewing the covenant with God. We're saying, I deserve, because of my sins and weakness, I deserve death. That's why we begin every Mass with, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Like, I've, I've messed up. But pour your blood over me again so that I can receive that forgiveness of sins. That we renew the covenant and we receive in a very real way the blood of Jesus, the body and blood of Jesus. And when I know that, like when I, when I learned more about the Eucharist and Mass when I was you know, in high school and college, like it was like, whoa, whoa. Like, you mean that God wants to come be with me? That God wants to remind me of his love for me? That God wants to forgive my sins? I want to receive him as often as I can. Not just on Sundays. I'll come during the week. I started going to college a little bit at daily mass um, for the first time. I was like, wow. I think we can never talk enough about the Eucharist. This is what makes us different from everyone, like everyone else. And I've had like, in a way that kind of breaks a father's heart, um, I had like f- four conversations this week with people who, you know, um, yeah, I used to be Catholic, but, you know, I can be a good person without going to church. I was like, maybe you can, but I need the blood of Christ. Just multiple conversations, and I, I think people do get it. There's, there are people in this community who come to Mass every Sunday, and in their particular situation, there's a marriage thing going on where they're not able to receive communion. But every Sunday, this couple has been coming to Mass ever since I came here. Every Sunday, they're at Mass, not receiving communion physically, 
but knowing that Jesus is present and that there's nowhere else they'd rather be. And that every one of us, say we're in a situation where we're not able to receive communion physically, sacramentally, we can make what's called a spiritual communion. And it's, it's to call on God and to say, God, I, I want to receive you physically, sacramentally, but I can't for whatever reason today. Maybe I need to go to confession. Um, but give me all the graces that I would have received. Come into my heart spiritually this day. There's even, there's a, there's a prayer. I probably should, maybe I'll type this up and put it on cards for people. But it says, here's, here's one example of a prayer. My Jesus, I believe that you are really present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things. And I desire to possess you within my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as being already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Isn't that beautiful? You know what's great about a prayer like that? I can say that prayer not just on Sundays. I could say that on Mondays and Tuesdays. And Wednesday, you know, like the, we we can receive Jesus spiritually into our hearts every day, every moment. We can walk with that awareness that that God is with me. I want to receive you. God is generous. God's not withholding. Um, yeah, you know. Here's the other phrase we say every mass: "Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed." That in a sense, every single person here is making a spiritual communion before we come up to make a physical sacramental one. Isn't that kind of cool? Um, about two months ago, there was a student who came to speak with me, and um, just an impressive young man. And he was asking me, he's like, I'm not Catholic. How come I can't receive communion? And I was like, well, that's, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about it. And so we began to walk through. I said, so I opened up the Bible, and we started walking through John 6. I said, Jesus is talking about this, this bread. And then he says, my, my bread is my flesh given for the life of the world. Unless you, my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. And the Jewish people saw this, and they're like, that's crazy. Blood belongs to God. We're out of here. And Jesus doesn't chase them down, but he says, they get it. Do you also want to leave? And then we jumped over to 1 Corinthians 11, where St. Paul talks about not receiving the blood of Christ unworthily. As to not drink judgment upon ourselves. And then we looked at the Last Supper initiative and uh, institution. And, and I asked, I finished, we talked for about a half hour, and, and, I, and I, I was like, I've said a lot of words. <laughs> um, this is what Catholics believe about the Eucharist. What do you think about that? And he said, that's awesome. And every Sunday, he's been at Mass. He's come to daily Mass. And I pray for the grace in my own life that I might also always be filled with awe and gratitude and humility at my God, who loves me so much that he pours forth his own blood in order to renew his covenant with me so that I would be free of my sins and know that I have a God who loves me, who wants to give me life now and eternally.